So I will say I was born a hero, but my superpowers were dormant. I will say that I was bit by a radioactive spider, my mentor. Someone came into my life, turned the light on, and got me really excited about how life can be different. And then I did start with the job because um, I didn't know any better. So what happens is we do what the, the masses does. You know, we, we think that that's going to propel us to success, but we're still building somebody else's business, their wealth, and, you know, we get kind of scraps for it. I hate to say it that way, but. Heroes are an inspiring group of people, every one of them from the larger-than-life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen, the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell, from the doctor saving lives at your local hospital, the war veteran down the street who risked his life for our freedom, to the police officers and the firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur, the creator, the producer, the ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what, I can fix that, I can help people, I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks on the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence so you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to The Hero Show. My name is Richard Matthews and today I am live on the line with Heliana. Heliana, are you there? Yes. And it's Helena. And, and I'm sorry. Helena. Sorry, Hel I mispronounced nope, that. Nope, Helena. Nope. Yes. So so I, we were talking before we got on the show, you're up in New Jersey and it's starting to get cold there a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. For uh, for those of you who've been following along with our travels on a podcast, um, we are finally not stuck for the COVID crisis. We got to move down to the Florida Keys, got our reservations that uh, it took us six months to get before we got them back again finally. So anyways, we're on the move again. Um, and Helena, thank you uh, so much for coming on the show today. Um, what I wanted to start with real quick is just go through a quick introduction. Um, so you are the uh, the CEO of uh, Middle Class to Wealthy, which is an online movement focused on helping uh, communities build wealth through education, relationships, goal setting, and achievement. Is that right? Yes. So yes. why don't you start off telling me a little bit about what that is? Um, what is it that you do? Who do you serve? And like, what's the primary like way that you earn revenue through that business? Okay, perfect. Um, so it's actually a movement and how I um, build revenue through the business is actually building up partners. So if you look at what life looks like, um, everybody is looking for the experts to help them figure out life, right? So financially, America is not doing well. Um, the masses, 78% of people are living paycheck to paycheck. Um, a bunch of people don't have savings in the bank. We have a debt crisis, an affordability crisis, a savings crisis, and a retirement crisis. So absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and we face we face um, recession every six to ten years on average, right? So something is definitely not going right, and we own a part in that. And what I mean is, um, if you let those who are moving and shaking make all of the decisions that affect us financially, 
Well, when they choose to choose themselves and then make a misstep, well, you didn't stand up for yourself. Like, you can't leave the decision making to everybody else and then and then cry about what happened. So what middle class and wealthy is, is to help us change our mindset, help us change our habits, our behavior, but it's also about digging deep, like figuring out what your individual issues are. I think one of the biggest problems we face is that we're trying to mass produce everything. We are individuals. We all have individual problems. We have individual um, perspectives. And so you can't apply one band-aid to all wounds. It's not going to work. And so it is looking at you and seeing where your gaps are. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Let's focus on those weaknesses, help you build up those muscles. And then, you know, what are your habits that are contributing to you not reaching the level of success that you want? And so um, the education part is free. Why? Because like I said, with this shaky economy, we need more people making more decisions. So it comes off better if I can build up a strong partner and we can make money together passively than if I just kind of give you some tools and then send you on your way because you're not guaranteed to, to get success that way. So. Yeah, awesome. So there is certainly a lot of uh, a lot of problems we have financially, just as like a, a base of people in America. And I know um, just personally learning things, you know, in my business, like how to budget properly and how to, uh, you know, a new term I've learned recently in the accounting space is aging your money, right? Mm -hmm. Where instead of spending money that you earned this week on bills next week, you're spending money you earned three months ago on bills for this week, right? And learning how to age your money through proper, you know, budgeting and forecasting and stuff. And like that, those are all skills that we're not taught, right? We're not taught how to do any of that. So you have to, you have to go out and figure that stuff out yourself. And if I'm understanding correctly, that's where you come in. Yes, absolutely. I think a lot of the stuff that's vague is vague on purpose um, because everyone has their angle. So the government has their angle. They are a self-sustaining entity that digs into our pockets every move we make. You know, they, they incentivize businesses. And so uh, business and government kind of work hand in hand because like one hand washes the other and businesses recycle their money through our communities and then we pay taxes. So like everybody is getting what they need from us, but what are we getting, what are we getting in return? Yeah, absolutely. And I know that, you know, almost any, um, what was it? I was, I was reading some stuff about even like the, the payroll tax that, you know, the, uh, the um, companies contribute a portion to the payroll tax and what really happens is they contribute a portion to the payroll tax but it reduces um it reduces, their liability their tax yeah, liability. It reduces their liability but it also reduces their uh um the amount of money they pay to employees so it reduces earnings for employees so really mm -hmm. it's the employees who are, are are shouldering the whole cost of something like a payroll tax Absolutely. Um, and you know 
you know, anytime that there's government red tape that's stuck up in front of a business for that increases cost of doing business, they pass that on to the customers in terms of increased prices or other things like that. So Absolutely. Um, it's Absolutely. really, it's really up to the individual to learn how to manage their finances and, you know, deal with the world we live in. Well, I want to take it a step further than that, because I think that we play a huge role in business. Um, without consumers, there is no business. I mean, you can have products That's all great. day, every day. You can have a way to get it there. But if you can't sell it to anybody, there's no business. You just, you're just stuck with a bunch of products. <laughs> and so um, look at COVID as a, a prime example, right? So you have all of these heavy hitters filing for bankruptcy, some of them going out of business. Why? Because the masses is who, who does all yeah. of the work and pays all of the bills. So I, I, I would frame it this way. Um, so big business or let's say deeper pockets will front the money. So they decided, let me come up with some kind of income generating vehicle and um, they will put the money up front, but the money that they put up front is just a resource. Then they hire people, those people, just a resource. And all of that stuff that they're paying for is an investment. They expect major returns on that, right? But um, yeah. ultimately the consumer pays for everything, everything. And so we do all of the work and then we pay for everything but we don't get we don't get paid for what we're worth you know we get paid what we we may negotiate a little bit but we get paid for what the what the the role allows for yeah yeah so when it comes to what it is that you're doing how are you helping people sort of navigate that reality um first of all letting them know how valuable they are to this whole um infrastructure you know you play a major role here so you need to change how you think about what's actually happening where you fit into all of this and what you can get in return for it and like um so we do it through partnership because like if there's value in consumption and so there are companies that will allow you to partner with them um as their sales force, but focus on consumer goods, replenishable consumer goods, right? Because that's the stuff you're gonna use anyway. They don't care who it's sold to. So if you do everything above board with integrity, with character, you know, find your place where you are getting paid to consume. But it's not just about money, because like I said, if it was just about money, um, so many of us would not be failing. So use the time that you can, like you're buying yourself back, use that time to educate yourself, to, um, to gather an association. Stick with people who make you stand on your tippy toes, like people that will stretch you, ask you questions, you know, the hard questions people that will help you develop your your skill set your personal your professional your financial but get around people who who want more out of life absolutely yeah i know uh just speaking of the skill set things one of the things that's really been 
sticking in my mind my last couple of months is uh, this whole concept of skill stacking where you know you learn to get you know you get fairly decent in a couple of different categories and where those categories intersect you can become world-class really quickly mm-hmm. um, and as you become world-class you, your value to the economy goes up significantly you start getting paid in accordance to that um, and a lot of that comes from hanging around the right people and you know <laughs> getting into the right masterminds or whatever you want to call it right where you're yeah. you're the people the people that you're around aren't pulling you down but they're pulling you up right right i mean because like you know all of that is contagious you know you get around negative people that's contagious you get around positive people that's contagious you get around people who are focused on being strategic around life how they live it their money you know having experiences that is contagious yeah yeah um i've definitely noticed that myself in my life as we've been traveling and getting around um bigger and bigger business owners um, and realizing that like the kind of stuff that was a huge stretch for me to even wrap my mind around other people are just make they make decisions like that every day Mm -hmm. right you know where they're they're making huge decisions in their business or huge investments and it's not a big thing to them and what it does is it changes the way you think about the world right it changes your risk tolerance when you see someone else who's just like you doing the same things with either bigger numbers or more people or you know, whatever it is that's going on in their life or their business, they're, they're, they're playing at the next level. And when you hang around them, you get, you get to sort of experience that. And then you can start stepping into that level as well. Yep. So, well, so what I want to find out then is your origin story, right? We, we talk about every, you know, every good comic book hero has an origin story. It's the thing that made them into the hero they are today. And we want to hear that way. You know, were you born a hero? Were you bit by a radioactive spider that made you really (laughs) want to get into teaching people about wealth and growth? Um, or did you start in a job and move into becoming an entrepreneur? So basically, you know, we want to know where you came from. Okay. So what I, cause I love that question by the way, but how I framed it was all three. So I will say I was born a hero, but my superpowers were dormant. I will say that I was bit by a radioactive spider, my mentor, someone came into my life, turned the light on and got me really excited about how life can be different. And then I did start with the job because um, I didn't know any better. So what happens is we do what the, the masses does. You know, we, we think that that's going to propel us to success, but we're still building somebody else's business, their wealth. And, you know, we get kind of scraps for it. I hate to say it that way, but So, um, but that's what built me up. Um, But it took me a little while to kind of figure all of that out. Um, So I will say that um, I've always had really bright ideas, but I didn't really know how to put the math together. So my money, like how can I get the resources I need to bring my ideas to fruition? Um, I've always worked super hard, super smart, so I've never had a problem with hard work. Um, But for me, I guess my breaking point was having to choose between caring for my mom or my obligations. You know, my mom, I I follow in her footsteps. She was a hard worker um, and essentially she worked herself to death. But, uh, But when it came time, to have to step up and be there for them, for her, um, because 
that is just one of the facts of life. Not if your parents are going to need you, but when your parents are going to need you. Um, then, like, I, I had money in the bank. I went on vacation pretty regularly. You know, I had some nice things. So I thought, you know, this is what life is supposed to look like until we realize that we're a sitting duck and, you know, when life is going to happen to you, do you have enough to sustain yourself? Can you manage all of your responsibilities without the nine to five or, you know, trading your time for money? So that's kind of, that's the origin story. Yeah, that's, so, that's what I built so it yeah. was It was some situational things that forced you to really look at how you were, how you were living life. So, so how was that that transition for you? Were you were you uh, started as an employee and became an entrepreneur? Um, how did that sort of happen? And was it uh, was it a difficult transition to make, or did you feel like you were you were uh, you were born for that? Okay, so um, I always considered myself an entrepreneur. So before the term entrepreneur came up, I I was an entrepreneur because I I worked the job, but I just wanted to make myself so valuable that if they were laying off, I wasn't going anywhere. Um, so I thought this was not going to be, this wasn't going to be hard. Like I've been an entrepreneur my, my entire work career, right? So I'm just going to get out there, step out on faith. Um, but what I learned was I, am, I was an operations person. So I am good at making things happen. I am good at structure, organization, discipline. I am good at following up. I had no sales training and I had no marketing training. So again, if you have no customers, you have no business. So <laughs> it was not a very easy journey. And I'll tell you, um, I, I'm grateful for that journey because I learned a lot of things. First of all, as an employee, your mindset is completely different. So um, you're not really careful who you allow into your space. Because when you when like as an employee, my contract was negotiated when I was hired. So I don't have to negotiate every move I make. And I don't have to watch every move you make because it's already written. If I show up to work, I'm going to get paid. But as a as yeah. somebody that's self-employed, it's very different. So you have takers and givers. And for me, I'm a giver. And so I went into entrepreneurship with my head in the cloud. Everybody thinks like I think everybody's just as generous as I am. And so I was easy prey. And so um, so that was I, I had to learn that lesson actually twice, not once, but twice, but I got it. <laughs> it's here. <laughs> lesson repeated until lesson learned. <laughs> yeah. <Took me> years. <laughs> and so, um, so that was one. And then um, building that skill set, you know, um, relationships are very important. And so I felt like I've always done pretty well with building relationships, but without any real intention. So like, I'm a friendly person. I talk to any and everybody, but there's a difference between being intentional in your relationships when it comes to business, right? Because you have to make the ask. Like, those are things that like, I, I never wanted to be a burden on anybody. So I never asked for anything. Well, in business, you have to ask. Otherwise, you don't get fed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
you have to you have to have the uh, the give and take portion of the relationship, and you have to be forthright about it. Um, and it's one of those interesting things. I actually learned that in the corporate world when I took a job as a, a C level director of marketing. Um, that one of the the CEO who was um, or I guess the board of directors guy, whatever his name was, he was on the board of directors for like 12 different companies and all sorts of things. And he mentored me a little bit. And one of the things that really fascinated me is like every single time they sat down with any other organization, they were like, here's what we're looking to give. And here's what we're looking to get in return for that give. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and like, it was very clear on both sides. It's not just like, here's what we're giving. Right. It was also here's what we need in return for that. Um, and it was very, very spelled out on both sides. Um, and it's it stuck with me. And I was like I was like in, in, in business, it's not it's not nearly as emotional of a purchase um, as it is with uh, with consumer stuff. So when you're doing when you're talking to other businesses or when you're at a business making transactions, you're like you sort of have to remove the emotion and be like, hey, this is what I'm going to provide for you. And this is what I need in return for it. Otherwise the transaction's just not going to work. But I'll say this, we don't learn that. And people are very emotional when it comes to their business because it's their baby. And so all of these things that like, those were very, very valuable lessons. And like you said, like it's, it's clear cut. So it's not emotional, you know, it's an exchange and it needs to be beneficial for both of us, but yeah. we don't learn that. And so if yeah. we don't learn it, we're and too close to it and we're making all kinds of mistakes. You, you learn how to make, um, and it's kind of confusing too, because you, you learn how to make, how to craft win-win deals, right? Where mm -hmm. both parties or all parties involved win. And that feels good emotionally when you do that. Mm -hmm. um, but that's not why you do it, right? You <laughs> like, you have to, um, that's, that's the result, not the, uh, the drive, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So yeah, it's a, it's an interesting lesson that you have to learn as, as a business owner to, um, and part of it is, uh, I, I call it self-care, right? You have mm -hmm. to learn how to, how you have to learn how to take care of yourself in Absolutely. your business. Absolutely. Right? Otherwise you let other people walk all over you, you know, to your point being the, uh, <laughs> being the prey. Right. Yes. Um, and so you have to, you have to stand up and, you know, realize that, Hey, I've got value. Here's what the value is. And here's what it takes to work with me. Those kind of things. And more than that, you also have to, you have to like legitimately take care of yourself. Absolutely. Right? So you have to be healthy and you have to get enough sleep and you have to not work yourself till you bleed kind of thing, because there's no one who's going to step in and do it. If you're, if you're not healthy, right. If you're on this, on a sick you're, bed you're, or something. You're absolutely right about that. But you know how many of us burn the candles at both ends? Mm. I mean, I, I was we're, one we're of those people. so hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was, it was an interesting lesson that that um, I remember, I remember very vividly um, when I, it was seven, maybe about seven years ago now. Um, I was working twelve to eighteen hours a day, right? Like, and it was like work all day, take breaks to eat, and and you know, and then sleep, and then wake up and do it again, because I was like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm I'm gonna work myself into success, mm -hmm. um, and which is. I don't know. It's it's like the lesson you're taught in school kind of thing. Like if you just work harder, then you'll get further. Um, and it, it never worked. It was like you were spinning your wheels kind of thing. And it wasn't until I made the decision that I needed to restrict how much time I spent working that my business started growing. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and what I've found is that uh, I call I say now that uh, creativity thrives with restrictions. 
Okay, yeah. Right? I love that. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, and you can you can see that how that applies in a lot of different ways, right? If you're if you're a photographer, like the photographer's job is to basically, you know, to cut out the world, right? This is the portion of the world we're looking at. It's restrictive. Um, same thing with the, you know, a painter is they're painting, you know, you're only seeing what they put on the canvas, not everything that's in front of them. Absolutely. Um, so it's restrictions. And, you know, they've shown that children, for instance, in uh, what do they call it in uh, in playgrounds? If they don't put a fence around the grass area of the playground, the kids will only stay on the paved area. But as soon as you fence the uh, fence the grass area out, they'll extend all the way out to the fence and play into all those kind of things because restrictions make creativity thrive. So when I learned how to, yeah, when I learned how to apply that in my own life, it was like, okay, I'm only going to work eight hours a day, right? And now all of a sudden you're like, okay, so if I'm not going to work 18 hours a day, I'm only going to work eight hours a day. I have to make sure I'm doing the important things, and I. I, I started I started getting more creative with that where I was like, well, what if I only work, you know, um, four days a week, right? And I take Friday off for my families. And now you've only got four eight-hour days that you work in. And then I was like, well, my business started growing because I'm really focusing on getting yes. the important things done every time. And then, you know, I've gotten to the point now where um, I generally is like, you know, what happens if I only do four hours a day? Mm -hmm. um, and I do four hours a day, four days a week now in my business, and my business is probably four to six times larger than it was when I was working 18 hours a day, and I've got Very staff nice. and everything is growing, <laughs> right? Because um, you thrive when you learn how to restrict what you're doing. So anyways, it's an interesting lesson to learn how to do that. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. It reminds me of boundaries, you know, because like when you create the boundaries, now the expectations are clear. And so yeah. I think that's what you did. Yeah, and it's the same thing for any projects that you put together or when you're putting together a deal with someone, like learning how to to scope out the work and be like, hey, this is what we're going to be working on. And like, these are the boundaries we're working within. Yes. Um, and, you know, I remember my first couple of projects not having a defined scope. And <laughs> then you just get walked all over forever. But you know what? Think of life like that. Because I think, I think that that's part of our issue, right? Because like... Mm -hmm without intention you know we're kind of like aimless and so we don't really know where to start we don't know how to focus what do we focus on there's so much there's all this stuff happening so if we narrow down and create boundaries okay i want this part of my life to look like this and this is the kind of time i'm going to put in and this is the kind of money but if we're clear about what it is that we want now we can work towards it yeah, and it's, not, it's a lot easier to create those boundaries and, you know, and set up your things. Like one of mine was I wanted to be at home for lunch with my kids every day. And I have been for 10 years, which is really cool. Um, and, you know, it's it's a uh, you, you have to sort of you have to start with the end in mind. Yes. Right. Um, and that's not a, it's not a skill that we're taught, but it's but it's a skill you can learn easily. Mm -hmm. um, and then the hardest part of it is just sticking to your guns on it. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, even when you're not there yet and realizing, nope, this is what I'm going to do. And, you know, I, like, I know initially when I was making some of those transitions where I was like, you know, I'm going to um, take Friday off, for instance, it, it feels really weird. You're like, I don't feel like I've earned it yet. I'm not there, whatever there is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but, you know, you, you have to, uh, you have to just, just sort of stick to your boundaries, whatever you've set up. Um, and, and just sort of watch how it changes the way you think and the way that you work. Absolutely. Yep. So cool. So what I want to do is transition a little bit and start talking about your superpower. 
right? So every iconic hero has a superpower, whether that's a fancy flying suit made by genius intellect or the ability to call down thunder from the sky. Mm -hmm. um, in the real world, heroes have what I call a zone of genius, which is like either a skill or a set of skills that either you were born with or you developed over time. And that superpower is what sets you apart, right? It's what allows you to help other people slay their villains in their life and come out on top in their journeys. So with that sort of framing, what do you think your superpower is and how do you use it to help people? Okay, I have a few superpowers, like, you know, but I will say the first one is I see things differently. So I don't see things as they are, but I see them as they can be. So that includes people, mm -hmm. life, like whatever it is. So like you said, seeing the end of mine, right? Um, and a can-do attitude. So if I don't know something, I don't just say, well, I don't know this. Nope, I don't know it, but I'm gonna find out, right? And then um, I would say being self-aware. So um, I, know my, I know what my limitations are. Um, and like, I feel like I am unlimited, so I work around me. You know, I know that uh, this kind of cuts into your next question, but well, one of the other questions, but I know that I'm a procrastinator. I know that certain things scare me. You get what I mean? So I'm, I'm yeah. a bit self-aware. And so, okay, so how do I work around that? Yeah. And absolutely. then I help other people um, do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. My, my, the one that sort of sticks out there for me is the, uh, is the seeing things the way they can be. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and seeing the potential. And that's a that's an interesting it's an interesting superpower that I've noticed not a lot of people have. Right. And I, I know I know that specifically because of the work that I do. Right? And a lot of the work that we do is like we build we build brands for people. Right. We talk on this show about building heroic brand um, and how you do those things. And a lot of that involves, you know, simple, basic things with design and getting things together. And so like design is broken down into things like your framework and then the actual like colors and typography and photography and stuff like that and it's interesting because mm -hmm. like if you show someone you know the structure before the design has been put on it um it's like showing someone a house without any you know with you know just the sticks up right and the floors yeah. and the door doors stuff all the stuff that's going to be there they're like i don't see it right they don't they don't they can't see what's going to be there mm -hmm. um and and I've had to get really good at the whole like, nope, you can't see it yet because you don't have, <laughs> you don't have that ability to see the potential. So if I show it to you, you're going to be mad because <laughs> we're at the stick building frame portion yeah. right now. So, right. That's just a really practical example, but I see that in a lot of places where people not, it's, it's very rare to find someone who can see something that's not there yet. Yes. Right. And you know, uh, that's what I want to do. Like that for me, that is my goal. That is my job. Yeah. It's, um, and it's, it's an interesting thing, especially if you, you mentioned the last one is help other people do the same, right. Is it's how you can help people see the potential. And I'm just curious how, cause I, I know how I try to do it, but it's not something that it's not my superpower is to help other people see the potential. <laughs> so, so what are, how, how do you sort of help people see the potential either in their lives or in their business or in you know what could be when they're looking at what is um so first i work on mindset you know what's limiting you like what's keeping you from and and there are real things that are keeping you from that so definitely you won't know the answer but i start putting some um 
I start putting some what's really happening in this world and how we've been conditioned in front of you. So you can see that, you know what? This is an invisible fence. Like it's been created, like you've been, like how life is happening has is, is by design and we're really just being managed and herded. And so they're putting in these invisible fences to limit our beliefs. So first it's mindset. So like kind of peeling back all of those layers and then start then with vision because like, and I don't want to start with vision because like, I feel like because of those limiting beliefs, we're afraid to dream big. You get what I'm saying to you? So like all of those, all, all of the things that we're going to talk about seem unachievable. And so, you know what, this isn't realistic. I don't want to waste my time. Yeah. So what's, what's interesting to me about that whole, the whole concept is that, uh, I sort of have a firmly held belief that our world or the powers that be in our world, um, they, they try to install in us our belief systems and the things that we, you know, your points of view and your whatever. Um, and it's interesting when you when you realize that you don't have to believe the things that you were told you have to believe, mm-hmm. right? And we're seeing a lot of this play out right now in our in our national landscape, which is it's really interesting. Um, but it's also it's all it's also a little disheartening to see how many people have, you know, have bought the story that's been sold to them. Right. Well, how do you not? I mean, like, yes, some people have escaped the rat race and some people have escaped, you know, um, the conditioning, but think about how they did, how they've done that. They've done it through people who have access, have resources and saw something within them and decided to invest time with them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because like you, you can see it play out in a lot of different ways. Right. So like one of the reasons we run this show um, or I put the show together is specifically because of some of that conditioning, that social conditioning that you see um, that says entrepreneurs are villains. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you pick, I guarantee you pick up any child TV show and flip on one of their episodes and the bad guy nine times out of ten <laughs> is some entrepreneur who's pouring oil in the water and killing the ducks. Right. And um, all, you know, it's, it's been that way since my childhood. And we, we teach people, we teach our whole culture that entrepreneurship is bad and profits are evil. Yes. Right. And neither of those things it's are true. They're neutral. It's scary. Like, yes, all of these negative yeah. things to go with it. Yeah. 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 And, you know, entrepreneurship and profits are just like any other tool, like, you know, mm-hmm. persuasion or hammer. They're, they're neutral tools. Yeah. Right. Um, and you can use them for good or you can use them for evil, but Absolutely. they aren't inherently bad and they're not inherently good. You mm-hmm. have to learn how to use them. Right. And you see the same thing happening with social stuff, too. Right? You know, if you go back and look at every sitcom for the last 20 years at the father character, he's a douche. Right. And he can't handle raising his children and he can't do anything right. And and you're like, this is the message we're sending to dads all over the world is that you're irrelevant. Yes. Right. And you wonder why we have a problem with fatherhood in our culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yes. So, no, you absolutely right. But all of it is by design, because if I can keep father out and out working, you know, that mm-hmm. that that's um, operating my machine. You get what I'm yeah. saying to you? So like. Yeah. There's a reason for all of these, you know, I call it misdirection, 
there's a reason for it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it sounds like uh, we're both sort of in the job, in the, in the, in the world of uh, changing some of those feelings for people and some of that social conditioning, hopefully. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm, I, so I wrote a couple of things down because I loved the whole framework of your show. That's the first thing. So I just have to say that. But um, when you, you talked about the entrepreneur being the villain, like, um, it's funny because the entrepreneur is the secret. And, yeah. and I'll tell you what I mean. So like, they're the ones that are innovative, right? They're the ones that come up with concepts. And they're the ones that come up with um, tools outside of the norm that's going to make life different, better, you know, serve the, a need, right? Mm -hmm. And then deep pockets come along and now will entice the entrepreneur so that they can buy them out and they now can take that concept, that innovation and use it for mass production. So, you know, if like one of the things that you wrote was um, everything that you've um, touched in your daily life has been handled by an entrepreneur. That's well, it's point. true. So like, no, I, like entrepreneurship is definitely not a bad thing. Um, I think that the reason why um, it's so, you know, how I, I'm doing great today. Oh my gosh, did I really do this? And like, it gets to be so scary and like, so um, an erratic ride is because no one is really cultivating the framework and mindset around uh, entrepreneurship and how it works. Yeah. And so we're all kind of feeling around in the dark until we find that level of success. Yeah, in the yeah. and it's, it's, a hard, it's a hard thing to teach, right? And just like not everyone's cut out to be a professional soccer player, not everyone's cut out to be, a, be an entrepreneur. Um, and so it's, it's very difficult to learn entrepreneurship from someone who's not an entrepreneur. So you don't end up with our school system teaching a lot of those skills, right? You don't, you don't learn a lot of like, how do you manage chaos, right? Because entrepreneurship is, is, is managed chaos, right? <laughs> I have um, a whole, I have a whole perspective on school systems and education. So we really shouldn't go there because this show will go so long. <laughs> but what I, absolutely. But what I, but what I will say is, um, like I, I kind of did a lot of research around education, and I'm kind. I think we're stuck really in the 18, I think 1805, I, I have the year written down somewhere, but the Lancastrian model. And so that's mm -hmm. where our education really is because like, um, so education uh, initially was two tracks. It was going to be for the learned and then for those that labor. And then uh, the Lancastrian model is really around getting the factory owner what they need. And so basically what they need is submission and obedience. So, you yeah, know, yeah. I, so, I call it the, uh, the, it's a Persian model, um, where, where you take a farmer and you turn them into a soldier, right? Yeah. And in our case, you take, you take a child and you turn them into a worker. Yes. Um, and, and our school system is it's, 
half turn kids into workers and the other half is childcare for the worker parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah right? so there's, a reason, there's a reason it's an eight hour school day, right? And it's mm -hmm. not because education takes eight hours, right? I, we homeschool our kids. I can tell you it does not take eight hours for them to learn the things, and right? So learning. I mean, because like if you look at what life looks like, like we're not being prepared for life. And I don't mean financials. Because we already know that's a given. We are not being prepared for the financial piece, but we're not being prepared for life either. Because like mm -hmm. we've been on this planet for a very long time, and you know things are going to happen, and it may not happen to every single individual, but it will hit every family. So, mm -hmm. you know, we pay insurance on our homes just in case something happens. We pay for insurance on our cars just in case something happens. Why aren't we learning all of the things that are going to happen just in case so that we're prepared? So Yeah, yeah. And like learning how to deal with things, you know, emotions and those kind of stuff is like um and like learning how to, you know, when your toilet breaks, how do you fix it, right? And all those kind of stuff. Like there there's just so much that's not taught. Um but anyways, that's a that, that could be a whole podcast all in and of itself. Oh, don't give me an education because I, and, and I, and I feel, I feel very strongly about it because I feel like, you know, we're being cheated out of, out of our lives. Yeah, so. yeah. I actually, I, I personally think education is probably the biggest linchpin in, um, in minority communities to help change their future, right? And if we could, if we could improve the education system, I'm not sure what that looks like. I don't know what all the problems are, what all the solutions are, but I think that that's probably the, the key is somewhere in the education world. I think what you just said is the solution, the problems the, uh, and the, the issues, because that's what you focus on and that's yeah. what you want to reverse. Yeah, yeah, and education is really what changes the next um, the next uh, generation, right? And um, I don't remember what I, um, what I was watching, I can't remember, but you know, it was someone had said, you know, there's there's no no greater work than raising the next generation mm -hmm. right um and whether that's from a parent's perspective or a teacher's perspective or whatever it's it's the raising up of the children is what improves the world right and so there's you know that it has generational impact so i'll say a good a good source for that for me anyway like i think it's my i don't want to call it my bible but um, outwitting the devil by Napoleon Hill, because, okay. you know, the, the thing is, uh, we do want to focus on the next generation and why is generation after generation, we're repeating the same cycles and we're living so reactively, not proactively. And so, uh, outwitting the devil talks about all of these things to teach your kids. Uh, one of which is ideas are the beginning of all, um, human achievement. You know that's the framework yeah absolutely so my my next question for you then is your fatal flaw um and you know just like every superman has his kryptonite and wonder woman can't remove her bracelets of victory without going mad you probably have a flaw that's held you back i um, in your business something you struggled with maybe like for me things like perfectionism keep me from shipping products, right? Where, or shipping services where I'm like, I could just tweak it a little bit more before I go and actually ask the market for any money for it. Um, and you never get there, right? You never make any revenue or um, something like, you know, we mentioned this already self-care where you let your clients walk all over you or 
um, this is probably the opposite of what you said, but like being a visionary, but not being a detail oriented person, <laughs> that's the thing I struggled with. So I could never get the operations and stuff down. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, but I think more important than the flaw is how have you worked to either rectify it or move around it um, so that other people who might struggle with the same thing can learn a little bit from your experience. Um, so uh, the two are fear and uh, procrastination. Procrastination being number one, actually. <laughs> but um, how to work around it is uh, being aware, you know, knowing that that's your limitation and, you know, working in, like for me, what I personally do is I kind of frame out all of the things that I want to get done. And I'm, 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 I am in here a lot of the time. And so because I know that I'm in here, uh, that gives me the time, okay, well, break it out into smaller tasks so that the lift isn't so heavy. And then fear, you know what? You are bigger than your problems. And like, I was a little nervous when, uh, right before we started. It, it happens to me every single time. It does, it does not matter. It just, it just does. But I'm like, what are you afraid of? Like, what are you afraid of? Like, what's the worst that's gonna happen? You're about to have a conversation. So like really getting in perspective what it is that you're afraid of and moving forward anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love the idea of uh, breaking things into smaller tasks too. So the lift, I, I like that phrase. So the lift isn't so heavy. Um, and the reason is for me at least is uh, uh, we, we pack up and move every couple of weeks, right? Cause we travel. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I've learned is that if you have big boxes of things, your life sucks. <laughs> heavy, right? So particularly with things like toolboxes, I have a lot of tools because our house goes around with us and we have to fix stuff all the time, mm-hmm. right? And I have learned that, you know, they sell those big toolboxes and those big toolboxes are great because you can cr- store a lot of crap in them, um, but then you also can't move them or lift them or do anything with them. So I've found it's a lot nicer to have a bunch of smaller toolboxes that are sort of like stacked together. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did the same thing when we moved houses, right? And we went to, uh, I can't remember where we went, but we got a bunch of tiny boxes, right? Little little boxes. And then we packed everything in little boxes. And then mm-hmm. it was so nice to move because there was the only big things we had were furniture. Everything else was small little boxes. Right. Even the kids could help pick them up and move them. Um, and, you know, you take more trips to move smaller things. Um, but the reality is that you can progress faster yes. if you consistently take smaller steps mm-hmm. um, than if you struggle to take big ones. Right. Especially because those big steps uh, tend to scare you, which is what makes you procrastinate. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's easier to, you know, uh, and like, I, I find it really interesting for myself how much you can get done when you're like, hey, today, what I'm going to do, like on my to-do list is I'm going to write the headline for the article, mm-hmm. right? And then that's it. That's the only thing that you know, if I've done that today, I've checked off the thing I need to accomplish today. And mm-hmm. tomorrow, it's, I'm going to write the intro paragraph and like how little you can do it because it's not about finishing the whole thing. It's about consistently making forward progress. Absolutely. And yeah. the book about that is the compound effect. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, and it's, it's fascinating too, right? Cause you, it, that's it again, going back to that, like, you know, setting boundaries for yourself is, is, um, it goes right into like making those checklists and uh-huh. you know, like, don't put more than a couple of things on your checklist today yeah. Yeah. and, you know, just focus on getting those things done first. And if you want to do other things, you know, you're more power to you kind of thing. But, 
um, it gets you gets you into the habit of like, hey, I'm gonna into an accomplishment habit. You're like, hey, I'm accomplishing these three things every single day, um, and it gives you that dopamine hit of accomplishing those things, and it makes it something that you want to do again, and you don't want to to break stride. And if you uh, if you if you're one percent better today than you were yesterday, in a year you'll be three hundred and sixty-five percent better than you were last year. And so it's yeah. just the small things. You get what I mean? Like just yeah. be consistent about and it. It's not including your compounding either. Absolutely, absolutely. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, because you know percentages compound, which is fun. Um, and it's the other thing that's that's fascinating about that too is I think that we as just as human beings we tend to vastly overestimate how much we can accomplish in a small amount of time, mm -hmm. and vastly underestimate how much we can accomplish in a large amount of time. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So we like to look at things and like, hey, I want to be here in a year, and you know we put some big fancy either number or goal or accomplishment on a year long thing, and. And then, you know, we struggle to hit those big things. Um, and you realize I, it's like. I like the year. I like the year. But okay, so what can we do every day to get you a step closer? As opposed yeah. to, you know, overnight. Because you know what? It's not that the, the goal is too big. It's you didn't put enough, like, you didn't do the game plan well enough to do tiny steps to get you there over time. As opposed to you know what, my due date is tomorrow and this is not realistic. <laughs> yeah, so, so if I, if I could, one of the things that, uh, that really helped me with that whole concept of like learning how to achieve goals, like long-term goals has been our traveling, right? Mm -hmm. um, and like mm -hmm. one of our goals in traveling has been to see all 50 states, right? And we're three years in, we've only seen 26 of them, right? Okay, uh, that means you're enjoying your ride, the journey. We're enjoying, yeah. our, enjoying yeah. our journey, right? And what's what's fascinating about that is the first like six months of our trip, we tried to move really, really fast and plan every detail of the of our of our things. Like, and we found out that was really, really difficult to plan all of your details because, well, to put it mildly, shit happens, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, and you, you know, if if you have everything planned out, even for three months into the future, like all of your details planned out in a, in a trip, I guarantee you that last month and a half, you're gonna have to reschedule and redo because life is gonna happen along the way and it's gonna mess it all up. All uh, I have to so say about I, is 2020. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, right? 2020 is the uh, is the quintessential, like everyone understands now. But the the point is, is that like what, what I've found is like you generally, you can have your destination in mind Right. And you should have your destination. This is where I want to get to. Mm -hmm. But you don't need to plan every step on the journey to get to the destination. Mm -hmm. Right. You just want to make sure that you're still pointed in the right direction every day mm -hmm. um, and making making a little bit of progress. Um, and so when it comes to for like setting goals or doing things, it's like daily and weekly goals that are going in the right direction. Right. Yeah. And maybe you have bigger like 90 day goals or something. But anyways, your destination, you don't have to plan every step on the journey all the way out there. Uh, One, you don't know what's going to happen. Also assess and measure because it, you, yeah. you go off course a little bit. You can, you can always course correct. And if the plan yeah. isn't working like you thought, you can always pivot. So like, I get what you're saying. Not so set in stone, but at least be clear about what it is you want. Yeah, yeah. And when you, when you find things like, you know, hey, there's a mountain here that we can't get over. 
go around it, right? You Absolutely. can replan your trip to go around the mountain, mm -hmm. or maybe you want to go up it and climb it, or you find things like, hey, you know what? We really like this spot. We're going to stay here for a couple of months. Yes. Um, and same kind of thing. You're like, hey, you know what? I really like working with this client. I know it's not like, I just want to see this project through to the completion, even though it's not all the way in my, uh, my wheelhouse. Um, but you know, you just, it gives you the feel good. So you want to finish it, right? Um, even though it's not directly on your thing and that's okay, right? You're allowed to have those kind of, you know, that, that whole entrepreneurial journey, it's all over the place. Um, and you know, it, you have to give yourself permission to let your journey be fluid, if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. Especially because, because we're human and this is life and we can't plan for everything like, uh, emergencies are going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. So. My next question for you then is your common enemy, right? So every superhero, I say, has an arch nemesis, a thing that they constantly have to fight against in their world, right? In the world of business, it takes a lot of forms, but generally, if we put in the context of your clients, right? The people that you work with on a regular basis or your students in your case, um, or viewers, um, what is a mindset or a flaw that you're constantly having to fight to overcome, right? So that you can help them get better results. Right. And so it's, you know, I always like to say if, if you had a magic wand and every person who came to you and started consuming your content, going through things, if you just bop them on the head with a magic wand and get rid of that mindset or change it, what would that thing be that you constantly have to fight against? Misdirection. Back to our education. It's misdirection. And you know what? It's like it, it's it's all around us and it's been ingrained to our parents. And so you know, they ingrain it into us. And so we trust the people that we care about. You know, you get what I mean? And we trust yeah. the people that care about us. But, you know, you may not necessarily, they may not necessarily have the results that you're looking for. You know, you're looking to live life a little bit different than them and be able to give back to them for all of the sacrifices that they've made for you. So yeah. with all of, you know, the the, the conditioning that's been happening year after year after year, generation after generation, it's, it's, it's misdirection. And, you know, people tend to be really skeptical, like afraid to move in a different direction. I feel like um, something you said earlier about having the fence that, you know, if, if they didn't have the fence, they'd stay on a, um, on a pavement. But if, if they had the fence, then they'd, you know, spread out. The whole yard, yeah. Yes. And I think that as a society, we're on the pavement. Like we are so afraid and it's just peeling back all of those layers. But misdirection is the, is the. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. And I, I, I love that whole concept too, because um, I, I remember I, I, I was really, really lucky because of a book my dad put in my hand as a young child, which, um, you know, to his own chagrin, perhaps um, it made me a very difficult child to raise. <laughs> Um, but he, he put, he put the rich dad, poor dad series of books in my hands. Cause one of his friends gave it to him and he was like, oh, this looks cool. My son would probably like, it. and he gave it to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and Robert Kiyosaki in that book said, you have to pick the people you listen to pick your mentors based on the results they have in specific areas. Mm -hmm. Right. And he was like, you may not look at your, um, you know, your, your parents for their, um, results in finances if they don't have the finances you want, or you may not look to, you know, someone for relationships or for raising their children or other things like that. And it's like you, you look, you, you can take someone, um, 
and you don't have to follow everything that they're doing, right? right? So like if if they have really good relationships, you might listen to them for their relationship advice. But if their finances are terrible, you don't also take their financial advice just because their relationship advice is good. Right. Um, and I remember I remember very vividly as a child realizing that like um, my my dad has really great results in a few areas, and I, you know I admire him a lot because of that. But there's a couple of things that like I I just knew like he doesn't think like a business owner right he thinks like a like like a uh, an entre- like employee. A employee which is fine there's nothing yeah, wrong with that absolutely. he's fantastic absolutely. he's one of the best in the world at what he does mm-hmm. yeah um, and which is cool but I was like I'm just I can't listen to him about those things because he doesn't have the results that I want mm-hmm. um, and I remember I remember like how vulnerable that made me feel as a kid because I was like 15 when I realized that wow um, you were advanced. And, Oh, well, you had Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Okay, got you. <laughs> yeah, I had the Rich Dad, Poor Dad books. And I was like, I was like, oh, dang, like, oh, snap. There's like, like, there's people. And and I started being very intentional about like, hey, these are the people I'm going to listen to for business and finance and entrepreneurship. And these are the people I'm going to listen to for, you know, raising my kids. And these are the uh-huh. people that I'm going to listen to for, um, you know, like my spiritual life and other things like that. Um, and realizing that you can, you can, you know, pick your mentors, so to speak, based on the results they have in specific areas. And that's a hard lesson to learn. Um, I I said, I was lucky enough to learn it at a young age, but it's one of those things that like, you have to, you have to make that jump at some point where you are, you know, to your point, the misdirection, um, it comes from people who are giving advice in areas that they don't have the results you want. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have to learn to, you have to learn to listen to the people that have the results in areas you want. Right. And now we've got I've got business mentors, stuff like that, that are, are doing the types of business I want to do and going the directions I want to go that are years ahead of me. And I can ask them questions and get feedback and those kind of things. And that's so different than just listening to everyone who's telling you, hey, you're crazy for doing this and, you know, whatever. And, you know, I, I'll share this because you're absolutely right. But I, I will say that even when those experts give us advice, sometimes we're a little reluctant. And we know they have results. We're still a little reluctant. And so, uh, and, and the reason why I share that is because, and I'm, I'm very transparent about my life. Like, I'm very open. So I, I say that to say that you asked me about my entrepreneurial journey, like I hit some roadblocks and it caused me financial problems, right? And so I fixed my credit once before and I was like, I know how to do this. And you know, I'm just, I just gotta get it back on track. And, this, and I had the plan. And so they were like, so I, I'm, I'm in a, a wealth building network. And so they're like, you know what, talk to the credit guy. I think he can give you some advice, at least before you do anything. You, you get what I mean? You don't want to throw good money after bad money. And I was like, okay. So I go talk to the credit guy. And he says, um, yeah, you need a do-over. He was like, I never tell people to file for bankruptcy, but like, like they've already sold your debt. You Like, you're going to be throwing good money after bad. You, you need to file for bankruptcy. I was so dead set against it. I was like, cause all of the things that I've heard through the years, like that just was not an option for me. But then when I tried to uh, negotiate with uh, my creditors, I went back to the credit guy and I filed for bankruptcy. I will tell you, it was the best decision I could have made. And I will say this, first of all, I was shocked to death but I would have still been struggling to pay all of that stuff. Now, this man has been working in the credit realm for, I don't even know how many years. You get what I mean? He's helped yeah, people- Yeah, way longer than me, right? 
Yeah, so like, <laughs> I don't work in that field. I just did it once. You get what I mean? And I just was, I, I just was, uh, I was stubborn and I wasn't going to do it. But like, you may not know, you may not know how it's going to get results, but they've gotten results with it. So be open and listen is my point. Yeah, I my my similar story to that. It wasn't bankruptcy. It was uh, hiring employees, right? And I had uh, one of my mentors who, um, you know, has a whole team and has a couple of things. And he sat me down at one of my masterminds, and he was like, "You are the biggest roadblock in your business. That what you need to do next is you need to hire this person in your business." Mm -hmm. um, and I remember, and and I was like, "I can't afford to hire that person." He was like, "You can't afford not to." Not to, yes. Um, yeah. And, and I was like, and I remember sitting there for like two months afterwards going like, he says, I need to do this. And I'm like, I can't do this. Like I legitimately do not have the money in the bank to hire this person. And he was in my head. He was like, I don't care that you don't have the money. You need to do it because everything else happened. And I was like, it's like, it struggled so hard. Cause I was like, it sounds so dumb. Right. Sounds so dumb from someone on the other side. And I'm just like, I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. I have to do it. Cause I was like struggling with that whole, like he has the results I want. He's where I want to be. And he's telling me this is the next step I need to take. Mm -hmm. And I fought against it mentally for months. Yeah. Um, and then I finally, I bit the bullet and I hired someone and immediately realized where he was coming from because now suddenly it wasn't just me, right? Mm -hmm. We doubled our work output and therefore was able to double our revenue. Yes, yep, yep. And the money came. <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> right? And I, it almost, I almost feel dumb saying that, but you know, we all have to go through our lessons. But you know what? Um, that, that, this, that's why this conversation is so important because you're not the only person that's had that that feeling you mm -hmm. get what I mean and if we like I think that we're a lot embarrassed to share like some of our roadblocks and some of our failures but other people are facing those same roadblocks and failures so sharing it yeah. you know now you've you've helped someone else yeah absolutely that's why we uh, that's why we share it and have these conversations but it's it's fascinating to me like because even when you're like someone you're like I know they have the results that I want. And I know that they're giving me advice that I should trust and we still will fight against it. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And uh, it's like, it's that psychology to me is interesting, right? Cause it's all in here. Yes. You have to figure out how to still take actions even when you're, you don't want to, or mm -hmm. you think that they're not right. Um, because, you know, someone else has perspective you don't have. Right? And, you know, I tell my kids all the time, you know, one of our rules we have posted on the wall is obey the first time. And I tell my kids, you can, you, know, you, you have to obey, you have to obey me immediately and you have to obey right now because I have perspective you don't have. If I say stop, I expect you to stop right now because if you don't, you'll get run over by the car you can't see. Yes. Right. And uh, what I like and... about you sharing that is you gave them your mindset. You didn't yeah. just give them the, like the, what to do. Because I think that that hinders us too. You know, if you, if I just tell you do this, 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 and this, it doesn't help. But if I understand your, your mindset and the concept behind it, like, okay, like even if I do this and it doesn't go exactly as planned, I can pivot because I understand why we're doing it this way. Yeah, why we're doing it. And so like I always tell my kids, you can always question my authority after you obey. Absolutely. <laughs> it's like you obey first, then you can question my authority, right? Because then, I'll, you know, we can go over it and talk like that. But right now, 
I have perspective you don't have. And my, my job is to make sure that you make it through this world alive, right? As a child. Absolutely. And eventually you'll have the kind of perspective I have, mm -hmm. right? And then we can discuss them on a level playing field. You're not there yet. Yes. Right? And that's okay. Right? Yes. And it's interesting having to take that same mentality to your mentors the other way around. Where you're mm -hmm. like, I just have to do what they're telling me to do because I know they have a perspective that I don't have because they're in a place that I'm not in. So what you just said wraps up middle class to wealthy. You get what I'm saying to you? Because like yeah. the, the whole point is to strategically uh, create the conditions to, to build wealth. And like right now, we're not in a place to do that. Yeah. And so sometimes you have to get perspective from someone who's where you want to be. <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. So, so then I think that gives me a really good jumping point for the next question, which is your driving force, right? It's the flip side of your common enemy, which you fight against. Your driving force is what you fight for, right? So just like Spider-Man fights to save New York or Batman fights to save Gotham or Google fights to index and categorize all the world's information, what is it that you fight for at middle class to wealthy? <laughs> I want to save everybody, but I want to save them not just from, because like, it's not okay to just blame outside factors, right? We have to save them from the, themselves as well. You know, um, just like you were saying, like um, you got the advice that was helpful to you, but you couldn't see it. So, you know, you were fighting against it. And, mm -hmm. and the thing is like, uh, if, we, if we can see it, we wouldn't be where we are. And so I'm trying to, save people. I mean, that's yeah. my driving force. Yeah, save them and, and help them get to a new place. But I'll also say one other thing. Remember I said every on average, every six to 10 years, we have a, a recession. I'd like to be able to stabilize that. Yeah. That'd if more really of cool. us are um, taking. And, and I think, I think some, the other thing that ha happens too, is that the more people who are, um, who are stable when a recession hits the less impact the recession has right um and it it's interesting right because you have this whole idea of like a, your personal economy like you have the big economy what's going on um and what's interesting to me is i've spent a lot of time over the last couple of years really getting my business solid um and then the covid crisis hit and because of the work that i've been doing over the last couple of years it it, it still impacted my business, but it was not nearly as bad as it could have been mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm, because because mm -hmm. I was prepared. Um, and so, you know, recession still hit. Right. The covid crisis still happened, but my business didn't die because of it. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, we're actually now at the end, of, you know, come, you know, I don't know where the end is, but you know, it right. feels like we're getting to the other side. Um, business <laughs> is actually stronger now than it was at the beginning. Mm -hmm, which is mm -hmm. cool, right? Mm -hmm. And that's because of, you know, what you're talking about, being prepared to handle those kind of things. Absolutely. So, I mean, like, that's, that's, that's just it. You know, we want to move to getting people to be more proactive, to be more strategic, to take ownership, to teach them how to fish instead of, you know, giving them a fish. You, you get what I mean? And so, so now we're stronger in our personal economies, which ultimately strengthens the ultimate, uh, the overall economy. That 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 concept of uh, teaching a man to fish instead of giving a man a fish, um, I think, like I love that that uh, metaphor. But I've always, um, in like my personal life, the way that I've always looked at it um, was the uh, the idea of being a in my own life. It's 
an entrepreneur versus being an employee, right? So if you go back to Rich Dad stuff, he has the whole quadrants, like the ES mm -hmm. and the BI yeah. quadrants. Mm -hmm. um, and the E quadrant is, you know, your paycheck is like, here's your fish every, every two weeks. Absolutely. Right? You work for the fish, but you get your Absolutely. fish every couple of weeks. Um, and I've realized that like uh, the people who I know who are, who are employees and have the employee mindset, um, when they see the things that I do, they're like, that's crazy. Why would you do that? Right. Things like, um, you know, like one of the things I do all the time when my wife and I do is we do something I, you know, called dream building. Right. Yes. We'll do, you know, it, it looks, it looks different for different people, but like one of the things we know when my wife and I were poorer and younger and lived in a, you know, a, uh, you know, nice community back home in California, we would go to the ritzy community on the weekends and go walk through the mansions. And my dad would always be like, why are you looking at houses you can't afford? And you know, I was like, it's <laughs> yeah. a mindset, right? It's a it mindset. Is. And it my, my response to him has always been because I want to be the kind of person who can afford those. Not that I'm looking to buy a mansion for any reason, right? I'm, I'm quite enjoying traveling. We'll probably do that for a long, long time. Yeah. Yeah. But I wanted to be the kind of person who, who asks myself the question, how can I afford this? Yeah. Uh, stops myself that I can't afford this. Absolutely. Yes. And that's what we need. Like that's that dream building. Everyone needs to be able to have it. That not I can't afford it, but how can I afford it? That's what everybody needs to move to. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, just, remove, a, it's just a different question. Yes. Right? You ask yourself smarter the, questions. Yes. <laughs> remove the limiting beliefs. Because I mean, like, you're not limited by like you're limited by what you think. Nothing else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what's fascinating to me is, you know, like we're, you know, 10, 15 years beyond where where, you know, I had those conversations with my dad, but now we could afford a lot of those houses, which yes. is crazy, mm -hmm. right? Um, because we're looking at expanding our means, right? So you live within your means and you learn how to expand your means, right? And that's a, um, that's a hard concept to learn. But anyways, a lot of people never look at the how to expand your means. They only look at living within their means. Yes. And like for me, when I, the reason why I say, um, give them, um, teach a man the fish is because like one of my personal goals is to, and this was pre-COVID, but my parents are Haitian and my mom worked herself to death. And like, I was married uh, by a Haitian. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Solonique, that's his name. He's actually a preacher from Haiti. That's my wife's a good friends with. Yeah. So yeah, so um, they're like, I just see some very sad stories come out of there and like, you know, food uh, insecurity and all this stuff. And so I was thinking like, how can I help? That's my, that's one of my goals, right? And the thing is, if I throw money at that problem, it doesn't really, it helps as long as I'm around. Now, what happens when I go away? That money goes away. But if I help them build infrastructure to now create jobs to so that they become self-sufficient. You get what I'm saying? And so yeah, if you yeah, think yeah. about it, it's the same concept here, just working with this, not so, because we have the infrastructure, we just need to be able to leverage it. Absolutely. Um, and I know uh, there's there's a couple of organizations that are doing really cool things like that. I'm not, not sure if it's particular in Haiti, but things like teaching communities how to build sustainable, you know, aquaponic systems to grow food and fish and things like that so that they're, you know, they've got, uh, you know, you're, you're teaching them how to feed themselves instead of feeding them. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's a much better, I think, use, right? And same kind of thing, learn how to 
build business systems and business structures um, and things like that so that they're you can you can raise people out of poverty by doing that that's what absolutely does mm -hmm. so super fascinating the hero show will be right back hey there fellow podcaster having a weekly audio and video show on all the major online networks that builds your brand creates fame and drives sales for your business doesn't have to be hard I know it feels that way because you've tried managing your show internally and realize how resource intensive it can be. You felt the pain of pouring eight to 10 hours of work into just getting one hour of content published and promoted all over the place. You see the drain on your resources, but you do it anyways because you know how powerful it is. Heck, you've probably even tried some of those automated solutions and ended up with stuff that makes your brand look cheesy and cheap. That's not helping grow your business. Don't give up though. The struggle ends now. Introducing Push Button Podcasts, a done-for-you service that will help you get your show out every single week without you lifting a finger after you've pushed that stop record button. We handle everything else, uploading, editing, transcribing, writing, research, graphics, publication, and promotion, all done by real humans who know, understand, and care about your brand almost as much as you do. Empowered by our own proprietary technology, our team will let you get back to doing what you love while we handle the rest. Check us out at pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero for 10% off the lifetime of your service with us and see the power of having an audio and video podcast growing and driving micro celebrity status and business in your niche without you having to lift more than a finger to push that stop record button. Again, that's pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero. See you there. Now back to the hero show. My next question for you then is about your own personal heroes. All right, so every hero has their mentors. Um, just like Frodo had Gandalf or Luke had Obi-Wan or Robert Kiyosaki had his rich dad um, or Spider-Man had his Uncle Ben. All right, who are some of your heroes? Were they real-life mentors, speakers or authors, peers who were a couple of years ahead of you? And how important were they to what you've accomplished so far in your business? I've had a few different mentors and it's funny. Um, so one of them, I kind of came across when I did uh, real estate investing education, right? And the thing is he was younger. Um, and so I feel like these superheroes in my life tend to be younger. Um, but I think it's because um, they don't question as much. They haven't really gotten into the world yet. So they haven't gotten like you know, their, key, their teeth kicked in. And so they're more open and more receptive to um, outside of the box thinking, right? And so, yeah. um, so one of them, he, um, <laughs> he actually was really large right now, but he, um, he's an educator and he spent the weekend. And, and when I looked at him, when I first saw him, I was like, he's like 10 years old. What is he going to teach me? And I'm telling you, he blew my mind. <laughs> um, and then I'll say uh, my mentors. Uh, and then like the guy who connected me to uh, one of my mentors, it was is the same age as my daughter. He, he at the time he was 23. And so um, again, it was like, what is this guy going to teach me? And then he started talking. And he was saying that, you know, he wanted to retire his parents and, and I'm like, okay, what does he know that I don't know? Because apparently he knows something if he's like, if he is putting money to work for him and yeah. actively, right? And so, but I would say my superheroes are just the people that I've learned from. It, like it, it's, uh, I've just come across them in my journey. You get what I mean? Like 
you know, yeah. you associate with, you start associating with people and you just meet different people who, who speaks differently. And part of that journey, like I said, I didn't, I didn't have sales training or, um, sorry, I didn't have sales training or marketing training. And so I was tasked, which by another hero, I was tasked uh, with going out and networking and like truly networking, not, you know, I'm uncomfortable. I see somebody and like stick with them the entire night. And that was my task. Go out at least three times a week, go out, meet new people, form relationships, don't focus on the sales. And so, uh, yeah, yeah. Learning, learning from people who are uh, <laughs> getting you good results. So the, the first off, you don't look old enough to have a 23 year old, just so you know, <laughs> never would have guessed. Now. <laughs> But thank you. <laughs> um, but the uh, the the whole point of like learning from learning from people who have have the result that you want, right? Like we talked about that before. Um, it's interesting to see how how our perception of the person affects our willingness to listen to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a that's the thing that you have to you have to struggle to get over as well. Right. Um, and I know, like, personally, you know, I've been um, young looking my whole life and probably yes. will be forever because my mom <laughs> is almost 60 and she still looks like she could be my girlfriend. Yes. Right. So not that I'm complaining <laughs> about that certainly is a cool thing to have genetic wise. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the struggles that comes with that is people like if I meet it's them counting. over the phone and we talk and things like that, they'll listen to you great. And they meet you in person. They meet you in person first. They're like, who yes. are you? Yes. Yes. <laughs> And that's actually what happens to me. But like, you know, when, when they know and you don't, you have to put your ego aside and whatever those limitations are. And you have to listen because obviously they know something you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And in the areas that if, especially in the area you want to learn, sometimes you just have to fight your pride and do it. Um, I think pride is a killer. (laughs) Pride is a killer. Absolutely. So my next question for you then is your guiding principles, right? And one of the things that makes heroes heroic is that they live by a code. Um, for instance, Batman never kills his enemies. He always brings them to Arkham Asylum. So as we wrap up the interview and I talk about top one or two principles that you use regularly in your life, maybe a principle you wish you knew when you first started out on your own hero's journey. Um, I would say do everything, do everything that you're going to do with integrity and in good character and be beyond reproach. And then um, we're really unlimited. And so don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to do, you know, if you can think it, you can do it. You just have to figure out how. And so um, you're, you're, you are limitless. Yeah, yeah. I am limitless. That's a, uh, it's a hard thing to wrap your mind around. Um, especially because our whole society teaches us that we're limited. Um, but you realize that like everything about our world is just so abundant, right? We have the ability because we have the ability to create is really what, what that comes down to. Um, and I, I call that ability to create the spark of divinity, right? Um, and because of that, because we have that spark of divinity, you can create whatever you want in your life. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, it's just a matter of time and skill acquisition between you and where you want to be. Yes. Uh, 
A good yeah. book for that is the uh, is Mindset by Carol Dweck. <laughs> there you go. We got a whole list of books that we can put in the show notes yes, here. Yes, um, yes, but, uh, but that's about being fixed or growth mindset, and you know, it's part of what you're yeah. talking about. You know. Yeah, and the whole idea of being limitless, um, it's it's crazy, right? Because you you find out that like you know we my wife and I picked an alternative lifestyle right because we travel full time and we run our our life and our business and our homeschool everything from a 40 foot RV as we travel around the country that's not normal no um, and we've been told great. so by a we've been told so by a lot of people right mm-hmm. um, and you realize that like you know you can you can create the life you want right Absolutely. Um, and you can build your business to support it mm-hmm. um, and that uh like there and there's there's no real wrong answer to that right if you want to build the kind of business that's going to be an apple or a microsoft and change the world that's a different type of business um, but you can build those kind of things right you know it, and you know because it's already been done steve jobs mm-hmm. did it mm-hmm. <laughs> bill gates did it elon musk is doing it um, right so you can build those kind of things or you can build lifestyle businesses like my wife and i are working on building that allow us to have the freedom to travel and do what we want to do but not have a huge organization mm-hmm. um, and you know, to your point, you're limitless. You're limitless. <laughs> Absolutely. So that is basically a wrap on our interview, but I do like to finish every interview with a simple challenge that I call the hero's challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do this basically, it's a selfish thing I do. Um, it hopefully get me access to new stories I might not other find, otherwise find on my own. So the question is simple. You have someone in your life or in your network that you think has a cool entrepreneurial story. Who are they? First names are fine. And why should they come share their story on our show? First person that comes to mind. Um, so I had three for you, but I'll give you the, the one, that, the top one. Uh, her name is Cami, and she runs a, a wellness center. Um, and it's 10 dimensions of wellness. Um, but the reason why is like, she has just created a life for herself. She has been in Vegas and she, I, I think she calls herself uh, the erotic chef. I forget what it is, but um, basically she's, she's a chef. She's been a chef for over 20 years, but she, it's taken her all over the world. And oh, uh, cool. she, she, she was very creative. I love to cook. Huh? You like to cook? <laughs> I, love to cook. Uh, I don't so much, but I'm working on it. <laughs> But, uh, but it's taken her around the world and she, she, she went back home to, cause she's, she's Southern. And so she went back home to teach uh, people that food is medicine and that, um, you know, we, we need to focus on being well in, in all the different areas of, of our lives. And so I think she, she's just created some really good results. Awesome. Well, we'll reach out afterwards, see if we can connect with her and get her on the show. But yeah, my, uh, um, I, I like cooking to the point where my wife doesn't always let me cook because I am the kind of person who will spend half of our budget on one meal because that's what I want to do. And I'll spend four hours doing it. Um, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They put those boundaries in place or she does anyway. <laughs> put those boundaries in place and be like, no, you cannot spend a hundred dollars to make a 15 cheese dish, yeah. right? <laughs> Uh, but you know, um, that's, that's where it is, but it's fun. So, uh, in comic books, there's always the crowd at the end of the story that is cheering on the hero for their act, their, their heroic acts. So as, as we wrap this interview, what I want to do is find out where can people find you, 
um, if you know they need your help in the future? Where can they light up the bat signal, so to speak, and say, hey, where you know, can you help me? Um, and more importantly, who are the right types of people to reach out and actually ask for your help? I think if you have, if you, if you want help, like if you, if you think that you can have a whole lot more, if life, if life can be a whole lot more than what it is today, reach out to me. Um, but where you can reach me is on my, on my, um, my website. All of my social media is there. My phone number is there. My email address is there. You know, um, if you need help, you know, that's what I'm here for. Like, if I, if I can point you in the right direction, if I can give you access, if I can, you know, help you with resources, I'm more than happy to do it. Awesome. And that's uh, middleclasstowealthy.com? Yes. Awesome. So we'll make sure that's in the show notes for anyone who's listening. And thank you so much for coming on the show today. It has been a pleasure. Um, so before I hit this little stop record button, do you have any final words of wisdom for our audience? Um, no, but I would like to thank you. <laughs> I would like to uh, thank you for having me on the show. This was an absolute pleasure. Um, at, oh, I would say... Stop giving away your power and stop giving away your money. You are limitless and, you know, get rid of those limiting beliefs. That's all I got. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on the show today.